welcome report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Computer Report Podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Monday edition of the show and a very special one because it is the beginning of legal tampering in free agency. It's a free agency frenzy, as a lot of people like to say. A lot of rumors with the Buccaneers, a lot of realities now after one superstar signing in Jamel Dean, which we will get all the way into on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me are two co-hosts today that I'm very excited to chat with. It is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR Scott Reynolds, and our number one capologist and draft analyst, just a great overall guy, Josh Capo, joining the show today. Gentlemen, it's great to be talking with you. How are we doing? Doing good. How are you doing, guys? Free, free agency starts uh, today, in a sense, because of the legal tampering. And we already have a signing by the Buccaneers, a re-signing, and Jamel Dean, which we're going to get to. But um, it, this is kind of a, you know, we've seen some deals get done today around the league. Obviously, the Falcons are making some moves in the NFC South. But this is not really a great free agent class, is it? Not even one wide receiver has been signed yet. Like, how could you have a great free agent class when yeah. arguably the most ex- exciting position in football, no one wants anybody? Especially in the pass-happy NFL today. Yeah, biggest contract I think given out so far today was to a guy who is the second-best defensive tackle on his own team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, which is? Deron Payne with yeah. Washington. <laughs> Washington uh, commodes, yeah. So, so the, the commodes are going to commode. We know that. Uh, but uh, – the Buccaneers, listen, they were ecstatic to get Jamel Dean back. They they really headed into free agency expecting that they might lose him. And um, what I think happened is when you look at, at the Jalen Ramsey trade to Miami, I think that really had an impact on Jamel Dean because Dean was going to be a good fit in Miami. I, I think that there was some strong interest from the Dolphins in Jamel Dean, but when that trade happened – where they could get a guy like Jalen Ramsey, that really took Dean out of the equation. And then you look around at the other teams that maybe were interested in Jamel Dean. It might have been similar money that, that the Buccaneers were offering and, and Jamel Dean was, was, uh, was negotiating with today. Uh, but this fit in Tampa is just one that, that he likes, right? I mean, we, Matt, you and I have been in the locker room en- enough to know that Jamel Dean is very comfortable in this Buccaneer locker room. He loves his teammates, loves playing with Todd Bowles. And, and I think that, that uh, his, his career trajectory is, is on the way up. Obviously the first half of this season was better than the second half. He got injured and, and uh, that I think kind of derailed his season a little bit, might've muted his, his, uh, you know, fetching amount in free agency. If he yeah. had finished the season as well as he had started it, you know, he might be on a different team by now. But I think there was enough concerns about Jamel Dean, the lack of interceptions, right? That's something that probably kept the number down to the $13 million mark. And what it does is it still leaves it still leaves Carlton Davis as, as the, the highest paid corner in the Buccaneers. And that was from a deal last year, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Carlton uh, got a bit more. And, you know, I was talking to a, a guy who does – contract analysis on a national level earlier today we were talking about the cornerback market overall and and, you know scott this time last year we thought carlton davis was going to get more than what he ended up getting so that's two years in a row and this may be 
something where Jason Light and Mike Greenberg may be playing a little bit of chess over everyone else's checkers. Because when I was talking with that national guy, we, we kind of came to the, the summation that if a team's going to allow their cornerback to get to a point where they can negotiate on the free market, that that comes with a signal of red flags to the rest of the market. Yeah. And cornerback is a naturally volatile position year over year. Play just, right. it goes up and down. It's very difficult to play at, at a, a constantly high level at that position. And so in doing that, it's preventing corners who hit the free market from getting the big top end deals. You know, the, the really right. market setting deals are coming in the form of extensions, teams that don't want to lose their top guys because they know how good they are. So the Bucks may be allowing their top corners to kind of get to free agency <laughs> with that red flag that maybe, maybe they won't be as consistent as everyone thinks they will, diminishes their market and allows the Bucks to come back in, swoop them up at, at lower costs than everyone expected. Because this is two years in a row that we've expected a Bucks cornerback to get significantly more than what he did. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really nice observation, Josh. Uh, for those that may not know the numbers, Dean is signing a four-year, fifty-two million dollar deal, and twenty-six of that is guaranteed. And, and Scott, you mentioned before, like just seeing Jamel Dean firsthand. You know, I've I haven't been doing this as long as you, and so I'm finally getting to the point where I'm seeing guys drafted, getting the contract, or seeing the culmination of their career. And when you talk about guys that have, like have matured or have found that comfort comfort level not in terms of like okay i made it i'm good to go but just like understanding who they are as a person and how they fit in as the as a teammate jamel dean is one of the first guys that really stands out like i remember him doing his introductory press conference over the phone and he would yeah. like stop mid-sentence and i don't blame him you know he's a rookie he just got drafted he's probably really nervous and now he's one of the most fun guys on the team he's got the saying don't make a scene it's just dean um, he gets along with the players. He was just on that Bucks fan cruise. So yeah. um, good for him. You know, great for the Bucks. You bring back the dynamic duo of Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. The next step, get your hands on the football. These are two talented right. cornerbacks, but the turnovers need to come. That's the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and when you have Jamel Dean getting two interceptions in the same game in week two, it looked like it was off to the races for Jamel Dean in terms of not only leading this team in interceptions, but also having a, you know, a career year. And it, it didn't quite materialize that way. And, and maybe the Buccaneers are, are the benefit because his cap number is going to be a lot less than maybe what he and the team and, and others around the league were expecting. You know, let's, let's go to our big board. And this is, this is just kind of like my evaluations in terms of, of the players here, uh, the free agents, top 10 free agents. Uh, you guys might disagree with some of the names or the orders, but, I think Levante David, just just because he is the steadiest player on this defense. And we've seen what life without Levante David looks like. He played in every game last year, but year before, down the stretch, even Devin White struggled with that linebacker position. And uh, right now, you know, Josh, we've had one kind of outlier deal at the linebacker position, but we've seen a lot of, of kind of softer deals, right, in terms of, of what David Long got, of what Jermaine Pratt got. Just kind of talk us through what the, the market might be for Levante, David. It only takes one team to love you, but it's interesting that, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but David Long went to the Dolphins, right? Yep. Yeah, and, for two and years, so, $11 million, I think, was the, yeah, the deal for him. That That's kind of a light deal for an off-the-ball linebacker, and Miami was supposed to be one of those destinations that would have some appeal to Levante because – 
They're kind of loading up for bear in this free agent market, trying to make a, a push in the AFC, the crowded AFC for, for the Super Bowl. And with Levante still living in Miami in the offseason and being from that area and, and staying in the state of Florida where there's no state income tax, the Dolphins were so, supposed to be a potential suitor and likely competition for the Buccaneers, but it looks like that might not be the case now. Yeah, um, as far as linebackers go, they're kind of flying off the board right now, which bodes well for Levante coming back to Tampa Bay because there are only so many holes across the league and they're they're all getting filled up. The one that came across early today that was the, the outlier you had mentioned was Tremaine Edmonds signing with the Chicago Bears for four years and $72 million. So that was um, $18, $18 million AAV. And I think I sent it to, to everyone in the group chat and I was like... <laughs> Levante is going for a bunch if this guy got 18 yeah. million a year. <laughs> yeah. But since then, you've seen a lot of guys, uh, Scott, you just mentioned David Long signing for uh, less than what I think most people projected. TJ Edwards only getting a little over $6 million a year to also go to the Bears. Um, Quincy Williams got three three years and $18 million. Alex Anzalone got three years and $18 million, which surprised me that he got more than um, David Long. And it's kind of put the linebacker market into a huge flux because right. you don't really know where anybody's going. I think the the one that just broke most recently today Alex was Singleton. Bobby O'Karaki um, going to the New York yeah. Giants for four years, $40 million, which is right around where most analysts, I think, had him pegged. Um, so I think that most of these deals bode well for the Bucks getting Levante back on yeah. a bit more of a team, team-friendly number. I think $10 million's kind of been that 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 crossing figure that we keep talking about yeah. in terms of will he go for more or less than that i've been on the high side scott i know you've been you've th- thought that he could go a little bit lower obviously for fans and, and for the team they want it to be underneath that 10 million dollar mark yeah i i think 9 million is is i is would be an ideal number for levante i think it's fair market value especially in this market right here given his age and his importance to the team uh, 10, you know, if if there was another team in the mix and there was some hardball, I wouldn't mind paying 10. But I think 10 would be, for me, kind of like that that line in the sand. And it looks like they may get him, uh, like Jamel Dean, they might get him back at a at a much more friendly deal than, than maybe they were expecting. We just saw another linebacker, Alex Singleton. Matt, you mentioned yeah. that Denver re-signing him to a three-year, $18 million deal, including $9 million worth of guaranteed money. So that's, that's an average of $6 million. So... A lot of linebackers on this market, not a lot of holes now with all these linebackers getting signed, and it does bode well for the Buccaneers bringing back Levante David. Now, we, we, we do have Jamel Dean uh, you know, being signed here. Let me just go through my reasoning, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on, on the board here. Uh, obviously, Jamel Dean, number two, he's already off the board. Uh, Logan Ryan, just because I think that he could come back with with a very cheap price tag, and yeah. I like what, what he did on the field from two avenues when healthy. Number one, he was great when it came to communication. I think that secondary communicated better with when he was on the field. And number two, and this is before the injury, because I think when he came back, he was still struggling a little bit. He was healthy enough to get on the field, but not healthy enough to make the plays that he made in the first half of the season, because he did make a lot of plays at the beginning of, of the, uh, the stretch there. Uh, Mike Edwards, wouldn't be opposed to having him back. I have no idea what he's going to fetch in free agency. It might be a one-year prove-it type deal if he comes back. I think he's a good fit for this this uh, secondary. I wouldn't mind the Bucks drafting a safety to compete with him. Uh, Keanu Neal, I don't expect all three of these safeties to come back, but I think two out of the three would be okay. 
Neil fits an interesting role because he's not the kind of safety you want going down the field uh, in coverage, but within the box, I think he can do a lot as a blitzer, almost as a quasi uh, money backer, right? That that type of, of specialty role there. Again, not a starter, but more of a chess piece. Will Golston, just because you're, you're losing Raheem Nunez, Rochez, and you know, I'm sentimental to Will Golston. I could see the team, look at his age, look at what his salary would be, and say we want to get younger and maybe say goodbye to Will Golston. I could see that, but uh, I, I think Will still has some value as a mentor in that room, mm-hmm. uh, if not just as a wave defensive lineman. Carl Nassib, I have him over Anthony Nelson just because I think he can come back cheaper on a one-year deal. I like the juice that he brings when you're losing a juice guy like Raheem Nunez Rochez that gets it going on the practice field and not just on the sidelines on game day. Nassib, I think, is 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 a good number four outside linebacker. I think this team would want to draft the number three outside linebacker. Nelson wouldn't be opposed to having him back, but I'm kind of in the same school of thought with you, Josh. Uh, you know, okay, the sack production was great. The pass rush win rate wasn't that great. I think he is a younger version of Nassib, but I think Nassib comes cheaper and has more experience. Akeem Hicks, you know, if he comes back dirt cheap, this is not a great defensive line uh, draft, and and nor is it deep in free agency. You're seeing a lot of the top-shelf guys get the big money. If he comes back super cheap, I wouldn't mind him as a rotational guy just because I like what he can do next to Vita Vea when healthy. And then Sean Murphy bunting. You know, we'll see what happens right now with Dean coming back and Zion McCollum in the hopper. This is a deep cornerback draft. I'm not saying you have to have Sean Murphy bunting back, but if he signs a one-year prove-it deal to come in and mix it up in camp and provide some competition, he might not make the final 53, but I wouldn't mind having him back on a one-year look-see. Matt and Josh, what are your thoughts? Matt, let's go to you first. Do you like the order? Am I missing any names that you think should be on here? What are your thoughts? No, I don't think you're missing any names. I would probably shuffle the deck a little bit. I would probably bump Carl Nassib a, a little bit up more. I do agree with Logan Ryan as number three, and I think it's as simple as early in the season, you know, that Saints game, that Packers game, who was making the clutch splash plays? It was Logan Ryan. Jamel D played a part as well, and so did Mike Edwards, but it was consistently it was Logan Ryan. And then he broke his foot, and he was out for a month, and all of a sudden – the turnovers vanished. They were gone. Yeah. So obviously Logan Ryan was a huge part of that. Mike Edwards, I'm with you. I just, I, I don't know what his market is, how teams are really pursuing him. He hasn't necessarily been cryptic like Evan White was in social media, but you know, he tweeted something last week about um, don't take it personally. Does that mean he's leaving? Does that mean he's turning the buck down? Then three hours ago, he tweeted, I need that seven. What does that mean? Is he taking Leonard Fournette's number? Because he knows Leonard Fournette is uh, is no longer going to be with the team. I don't know. So uh, I'm fine with Edwards coming back. I'm also kind of a proponent, and this goes with Sean Murphy Bunting, who I agree should be last on the list, along with defensive tackles. I'm ready just to wipe the slate clean. Um, you know, like Will Golston, he's getting up there in age. There's definitely value to him being a mentor, especially with Nacho not being there. But what did, Jay, what did Jason Light say at the combine? They want to get younger and they want to get faster. So why yeah. not start now? Or even if there's a free agent defensive lineman that's a little bit younger than Will Golston, go for it. All right? This team struggled stopping the run last year. And sure, you could say, well, when Vita Vea and Hicks were in there together, 
they did a pretty damn good job. Well, then Akeem Hicks showed that he can't do it on his own unless Vita Vey is there. You know, he had yeah. one sack on the season that came the last year. So I'm ready to move on from Akeem Hicks, especially. Will Golden will be beloved by Bucks fans. I, unfortunately, I'm ready to move on from him. Carl Nassib, I think, super important to coming back for everything you said, the high motor, the energy, former team captain. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, everyone's a fan of Carl Nassib. Anthony Nelson, he was the best edge rusher last year. I do think for who the Bucs are trying to bring back, and obviously the name of the game is Levante David, Nassib might be the the guy, uh, sorry, um, Anthony Nelson might just be the guy that unfortunately gets onto the chopping block because of everyone else that they're trying to bring back. So in, uh, in total, wipe the slate clean with the interior defensive line and some of the defensive backs on this list, not named Logan Ryan. All right, Josh, what do you think? Well, I'm looking at, you guys made some really great points. Uh, kind of starting at the defensive tackle position, you know, Matt, you talked about how the Bucks want to get younger. You know who's younger than Will Golston and younger than Akeem Hicks and somehow didn't make Scott's top 10 priorities? Who's that? USF great Deidre <laughs> Sinat. <Deidre> Sinat. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, no, I, I've... Scott, I think the list is really great. I think for me, I probably would push Carl Nassib a little bit further up as well. Matt, you were talking about Mike Edwards' uh, market. Looking at the safeties who have already signed, uh, Sean Gibson for the 49ers, he re-signed with them for one year, $2.9 million. Marcus Epps signed with the Raiders for two years, $12 million, so that's a $6 million AAV. Um, Mike Edwards is kind of along those lines in terms of talent, although those two are more box safeties, whereas Edwards is a little bit more of a deep safety. So I do play, I think his market's going to be somewhere between three and $4 million a year on a fairly short de year uh, deal, one to two years. Um, I would probably drop Anthony Nelson a little bit further down. I know you had him pretty far down, Scott, but I've been pretty vocal in terms of um, thinking that he's a, a fairly decent floor player, but doesn't provide a ton of upside. And I don't see his sack production replicating unless his pressure production improves next year. Um, and I think Akeem Hicks, I would be a little bit more aggressive on him because the Bucks defense did improve whenever he was on the field last year. And when you look at the other options for defensive tackle, the defensive tackle market is blowing up. It's doing the exact opposite of what cornerbacks is doing, right? right. You just saw two huge deals. Deron Payne got 90 million over four years. And, um, uh, who was it that got 80 million with the 49ers? Uh, Javon Hargrave yeah, got 80 million, and there aren't a ton of really like great defensive tackles out in free agency to the point that Shy Tuttle got over six million dollars a year, right? right. So, <laughs> See, and, and that, that's kind of my point is, is uh, even some of, of the, the lesser kind of wave defensive linemen, not your full on starters, and maybe Shy Tuttle is going to be a starter now with that money, but but it just seems to me that that the Bucks remember, they're looking for value, right? They're looking for bargains. Yeah. And and uh, I think having Will Golston come back with a pay cut for $2.5 million, that, uh, would or, or, that would be a value, right? As opposed to a guy like Shy Tuttle, where uh, you know, is the production going to be more? Yeah, perhaps. Is it going to be significantly more? Yeah, maybe, yeah. but I, I'm not sure. Um, and I think Akeem Hicks at like four is a value. Yeah, and, right. And the draft doesn't hold. I mean, you've got a couple of like really intriguing guys at the top, but even they 
they're undersized. I mean, two yeah. out of the top three defensive tackles in the NFL, the upcoming draft, yeah. are undersized. So you you have to worry about how they'll hold up, you know, on first and second down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, listen, you know what holds up exceptionally well is is Celsius. That's the <laughs> official energy drink of Peter Report. Uh, not only is Celsius going to hold up in terms of giving you the energy that you need to power through your workout, power through your day in the afternoon when those afternoon doldrums set in or maybe get you kick-started in the morning, uh, it's the flavor that's going to hold up because they've got tremendous new flavors. The fantasy vibe, it's sparkling, marshmallow, mandarin orange. Yes, it tastes exactly like it sounds. And the lemon lime, which is my new, my new afternoon favorite. I love the orange in the morning or the fantasy vibe, and then it'll go right into the afternoon. If I don't have my Celsius in the morning and I need one in the afternoon, that lemon lime is not too sweet. It's a perfect mix of flavors and energy. And, of course, there's no sugar crash. Why? Because there's no sugar. That's the best part about Celsius. All the energy that you need and none of the sugar crash because there's no sugar. It's a great, healthy energy drink. You can find it at Amazon or you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address and find it at the nearest uh, convenience store, health and fitness store, grocery store, or Matthew, what else can you find uh, Celsius at? Your bodega. 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 Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report. Um, let's uh, let's see. We have a super chat here. We appreciate everybody tuning in tonight for this primetime yeah. uh, version. It's it's fun to do these fine primetime shows during free agency. It's a fun it's day. Uh, we waited because the Jamal Dean signing we would yes. have been already done with the show. We would have had an emergency right podcast at seven talking about Jamel Dean anyway. So here we are. Uh, Matt, what do we have on deck here for our super chat? Yeah. Shout out to LDBC's most wanted. Thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. They say with Mason likely gone talking about Shaq Mason. How do you think our offensive line will be replenished? Is it in house or the draft? Would love to see premium picks go to the trenches so yeah that was the big story at least in the bucks yeah. world to start the day was the report i know uh espn's jeremy fowler was one of the first on it that the right. bucks were exploring looking into trading shack mason and then further reports came out that if they were unable to find a trade with another team that they were going to release shack mason for the obvious reason that the bucks are strapped when it comes to the salary cap and they could save a a good chunk of money with Shaq Mason. Now, yeah. Shaq, uh, as you pointed out, Scott, or you tweeted, Shaq wasn't a difference maker. Was he a solid player? Was he good? Yeah, he was fine for what he did, but he was not a difference maker by any means. I believe the PFF grades, he was a little better in uh, pass blocking than run blocking, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and overall had a grade at about 69 or 70 uh, when it was all done. Yeah, and, and I think the thing too is is when you look at at that the Buccaneers traded for him, did they get you know the bang for the buck? Well, it was the last year of Brady, right? They needed an experienced guy to step in. They did not want to put a rookie guard in front of uh, Tom Brady. Oops, they did that <laughs> with Luke Gedeke, um, but they didn't want to do it twice, so they had to have a veteran in there because they did they couldn't kill Tom, right? Uh, they they could scare Tom off into retirement after this year, but they couldn't quite kill him because that would be bad for business. So they they ended up trading for him. It was a day three pick. Um, you know, I, I think that he started off the year okay. Um, I, I, PFF is not the best when it comes to grading offensive linemen. 
Um, I have I have some issues with PFF. Uh, the one thing I will say though is is if you're looking at at their grading system, their mechanism, right or wrong, when you look at the numbers that Alex Kappa had from PFF overall grade, pass protection, and run blocking from 2021, because that's that's the the Alex Kappa in the contract year that Shaq was replacing the the Buccaneer Alex Kappa. Kappa was actually slightly better than than Shaq Mason when it came to the grades. And then Kappa in Cincinnati this year, uh, numbers were similar, but I think Shaq was slightly better. We're talking like a percentage point here, but slightly better than than Kappa. So it was an okay signing. I think Kappa was an okay guard. I thought Shaq Mason was an okay guard. But, you know, at, at $9 million or you know close to it, and with the, the prospects of saving over $5 million, the Buccaneers, uh, I think they want to go with with a younger, cheaper guard, and you know they want to make good use of their their draft picks. You have Robert Hainsey with the third round pick invested yep. in him, Luke Gedeke with the second round pick invested in him. You have two Pro Bowlers that are going to start in Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen. So you're going to draft a, a player, either a tackle to replace Donovan Smith, or a guard to replace either Mason or Gedeke. Uh, Gedeke, you know, if, if I'm the Buccaneers and, I, and I'm not considering maybe Tristan Wirfs at left tackle and putting get a key at right tackle. In other words, if I'm drafting, say Anton Harrison from Oklahoma in the first round, and I'm going to keep Wirfs at right tackle, why not maybe keep get a key on the right side since that was such a transition, not just going from Central Michigan to the NFL or right tackle to left guard, but just the right side to the left from was was a, was a bit of a transition. So maybe Luke Gedeke is better off as a right guard than he is a left guard. Your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I think we're putting a lot of stock in Luke Gedeke having one good game at right tackle in the last game of the season. I understand Fair it was point. a good performance, but like it was one game against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, let's see him do it against you know, uh, the Eagles. I don't think they play the Eagles next year. But, you know, like a, a, a top opponent. The Bucks have to figure out, one, what they're going to do with Gedeke. Are they going to play him at guard or are they going to play him at tackle? Because I think, yeah. like, bouncing him around isn't overall the right plan for Gedeke and his growth and development. You know, he's, he's a guy, whatever you decide, just stick with it from the beginning and go with that plan for the rest of the season. Now, I like the depth that the Bucs have in-house. You know, what, whatever you decide with Gedeke, I still love the fact that you got Robert Hainsey right there that can go in and, and play one of the guard positions. Yeah. Nick Leverett, for the deal that he's going, like, for coming back to the Bucks for under a million dollars, for a starter that played, again, very solid, not out of this world, but was solid, the money that they are paying him, that's like an absolute must to to bring him back and and get value with him. You want to talk about value deals? Nick Leverett's one of the best. And yeah. then I know not everyone's as high on him, but you know, let's not forget that. And there's going to be no market for him because he was injured for all of last season. But Aaron Stinney was the starter when they went on the Super Bowl run. I yeah. understand maybe he wasn't going to win the, the the starting guard job last season, but he was in the mix, and I would trust him starting for a couple of games or however long it is. I like the in-house depth with the Buccaneers. Now, you want to talk about going through the draft. As far as formal meetings go, interior offensive linemen, the Bucs only had two formal meetings. Right. That was uh, Andrew Voorhees out of USC, who unfortunately yeah, got injured, the but then like a badass did the uh, bench yeah. press anyway. <laughs> and uh, Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin. Yeah. So 
obviously things change and they want to trade Mason now. Um, yeah. Not too many formal meetings at the combine. Well, we, we don't know about Steve, a, Steve Avila from TCU. He was right. one of those guys that was kind of caught up in the medical. We're, we're waiting around to see I know. <laughs> if, if he interviewed. And I'm telling you, he's he's a second-round pick. I bet you anything they interviewed Steve Avila. I think he's their type of, of offensive guard, and, and I – I, I would I'd probably bet money that they they did. So th- there's there's a couple of options there. Uh, Osiris uh, Tor- Torrance from Florence, yep, Florida. from uh, Florida was was not a formal interview. So uh, there there's certain guys that that they like. At the same time, you know th- they could draft a tackle, and then you've you've got Leverett, Gedeke, and Hainsey all kind of having having a battle royale for two guard positions. So they have some options, like you said, Matt. Josh, your thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction in terms of where the Bucks thinking might be on why they're, they're maybe willing to let Shaq Mason go. And for me, I'm going to look at kind of the, the deal they didn't do or the restructure they did not do, which involves somebody else named Shaq. Mm-hmm. Right. So when yeah. the Bucks went and restructured all these contracts to become cap, cap compliant, uh, the one big c- contract they really didn't touch was that of Shaq Barrett. They only have so many deals they can do to create cap space. And so if it comes between letting Shaq Mason go, who's in the last year of his deal, they probably weren't going to necessarily extend him or restructuring Shaq Barrett's contract to make it much more difficult for them to potentially shed it next year. I think that they've decided the opportunity cost of letting Mason go, creating a clear path to playing time for guys like Nick Leverett, Luke Gedeke and Robert Hainsey. um, I think that they've decided that's the best course of action. See what Shaq Barrett does a year removed from a torn Achilles tendon, which tends to be a very difficult injury to come back for. At age 32, by the way. Not 32, but 30 also. Right. For a guy whose game is predicated on his ability to get off the line very quickly and push off that Achilles. I think that that's more than anything kind of, um, pushing their decision to make Mason available and potentially just let him go. So that was the one thing that really kind of stood out to me mm-hmm. is this becomes a really big year for Shaq Barrett um, and potentially his last year in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, I, I, I think the, the way the board's setting up right now, right? If you're going to, if you're, if you're Todd Bowles and you have both of your starting corners back, you've got, You've got a young cornerback uh, in the Hopper and Zion McCollum. We know they're going to draft another cornerback, at least an outside cornerback, as well as either a safety like Brian Branch who can play in the slot or uh, Jartavius Martin, otherwise known as Quan Martin from Illinois, that can also play in the slot. Uh, or they're going to find uh, more of a, a pure cornerback, uh, someone like Sean Murphy Bunting who can do both, play inside and out. So there are a couple options there. I would look for the Buccaneers to draft a couple of corners, uh, certainly given the fact that this year's draft is deep at the position, especially with a lot of good cornerbacks on that kind of that sweet spot, rounds two through four, where Jason Light has liked to draft corners in years past. It does take cornerback off the market, I think, in round one. I think that would just be a luxury pick. There's, there's, you know, if Christian Gonzalez – were to somehow fall to the Bucks at number 19, you have to consider it just based on the talent. But I, I think that this this helps the Bucks draft plan in that it takes one position off the uh, the board in the first round as a team need. Right now, you're looking at offensive tackle, maybe an edge rusher um, in in that that first round, just like 
when the Buccaneers committed to Russell Gage, it, it kind of takes wide receiver off the, the board in the first round. You do have Mike Evans in the final year of his contract. That's fair to say. And Russell Gage certainly is guaranteed for this year, but not for next year. But at least they have three veteran wide receivers. You've got Devin Tompkins in the hopper. <clears throat> this is not a great wide receiver draft. It's not deep. It's not talented. But you can get a D3 developmental wide receiver, maybe uh, some guys with size to kind of complement Kalen Geiger and Devin Tompkins on the roster already, right? Yep. Right. And that's up running would, back, B. John Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> nope. it, it, wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense either to – you talk about value and the Bucs got to get a lot of, uh, of home runs in this draft. Yeah. To have your first-round pick as a guy that's going to be what? fourth string at at wide receiver it just it doesn't make sense for the team right now same with with cornerback still keeps uh getting a safety on the board because the bucks still need a uh, a nickel cornerback that will play a a majority of the time also want to give a quick shout out to bucks basement for the two dollar super chat yeah thank you um saying free agency was depressing it's not as star-studded as it has been in previous years but just you wait you got the rogers news maybe deandre hopkins will uh get traded but um you know Things are they things are going pretty well for the Bucks so far. Not yeah, going. exactly. I, I do want to kind of hit on that. Back. I do want to hit on that. You know, we're we're kind of breaking a little bit of protocol here by doing a show at seven o'clock on a Monday. Usually Monday is yeah. reserved for four o'clock, and it's reserved for uh, roll call at four twenty. So there, four twenty came and went hours ago. The folks want roll call, Matt, during prime time. I can feel it. I know Richard wants it. Let's give him roll call right now. I'll go on a rant. Maybe Josh, if you want to chime in, you're welcome sure. to. But, uh, uh, Matt, uh, what do you say we do this thing? Let's do it. Roll call, baby. Tell us where you're at, Peter people. We have awesome fans from all around the world, not just Tampa, Florida, not just the United States, but international as well. So this is a fun thing we like to do on Monday shows. One of us will go on a, a bit of a rant or a diatribe. Today that will be Scott featuring Josh Capo. And uh, while they're talking – uh, put your location up in the comments, and we will uh, put it on the screen as Scott and Josh are talking. So let's get roll call. Started. All right, Josh, uh, let's talk about Russell Gates here. This is a, a guy you and I have kind of gone back and forth with here in, in the group chat. And you know what? I think this is a great compromise, right? Because I, I, I did not see the value in keeping Russell Gage. He's not worth $10 million. He averaged less than than nine yards per catch last year, right? He got five touchdowns. A couple of those were fluky scores, catching passes off of deflections and against Seattle, things like that. Um, but you know what? There's something to be said, though, because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are physical receivers. It's tough for them to stay healthy. And, boy, if, you, if, you, if you're not going to re-sign Julio Jones, which you shouldn't, or Scotty Miller, which you shouldn't, or Rashad Perryman, which you shouldn't, and you shouldn't go out there and <laughs> – and sign any other kind of veteran free agent uh, wide receivers that are going to cost a bunch of money, especially as Matt wisely said, they're going to be number four in the depth chart, right? Yep. So you keep a guy like Russell Gage, so at least you have, if Godwin's out or if, if Evans is out, another veteran for quarterback X, call him Kyle Trask, call him Baker Mayfield, call him Jacoby Brissett, whoever, to throw the ball to. So I, I didn't like the fact that they were going to keep Russell Gage, but you know what? Going to him and saying, you know what, you didn't earn the $10 million, and you only have one calling card, which is your quickness. You're not a big guy. You're not a fast guy. 
but we're going to come to you. And, and if you want to stay, and there's Mike Greenberg, the Bucks cap wizard, cap Jedi, saying, give me, give me back $3 million from you, and we'll pay you seven, and we'll give you a chance to earn it back with some incentives. I think this is a real fair compromise, Josh. I know you're a big fan of Russell Gage. What do you think? I, I agree. I think, um, you know, in terms of how he's going to play in this offense, I think that he's perfect scheme fit. I think he gives you slot and outside versatility. So he becomes that safety net for if uh, Godwin or Evans go down, he can move to the outside and let somebody a little bit smaller, like a Devin Tompkins come into the slot. And I love the move um, because the bucks were only going to save about $2.8 million on the cap. If they just outright cut him before June 1st, they got, all of that savings and just a little bit more with the agreement to reduce his salary by $3 million. Then they went and kind of leveraged that cap savings by taking his $7 million salary and restructuring most of it. And they turned all of that into almost $9 million in cap savings, which was huge in their ability to get down and, and get cap compliant. Yeah. Um, from Gage's standpoint, he wasn't going to get better than $7 million for this year out on the free agent market, even as soft as it was. So it really was a win-win deal for both sides. So I thought it was a really creative way to attack that, keep somebody very talented on the roster and be able to improve their cap position. So it's just a, a masterclass, I'd say, from Light and Greenberg. Yeah, I think it's a really fair deal. Um, leave it to Mike Greenberg, man. That guy is just, I've seen him do it for years. He's the best in the business when it comes to to finding a way to make things work, whether it's re-signing your Super Bowl team or having to navigate some real tough cap challenges like, like the Bucks are in this year. Um, but you know what? I, I think this is the year they're going to do some things to kind of bite the bullet and, and really reload quickly. And I, I think the, the reason why they're, they're, they're shedding some of this extra salary cap weight, if you will, like with the Shaq Mason, either trading him or, or signing him, or I mean, or, or cutting him, is is to really prep themselves for another run quickly, and and that leads me to our next question here is is uh, what I've heard today is is the Buccaneers have had some discussions with both the agents for uh, Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett names we've been mentioning at Peter Report since February, much to the chagrin of Buccaneer fans that didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Buck fans, I wrote one for you today. Lamar Jackson. I put it out. There. Yeah. It's not going to happen, but I put it out <laughs> there just for you phone. guys. Right. <laughs> but whether it's Bailey, myself, you guys, uh, Sly's even written about Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. Those, those were the two names that we had heard dating back to January when this team was still in the playoff uh, picture. And and Tom Brady was still the quarterback. If, if Brady was going to be gone, these were going to be the type of players that were going to go after. Guys with experience that could come in, challenge. Uh, Kyle Trask for the, the job and, and come on the cheap. And I think right now we're seeing Sam Darnold going to San Francisco. That was a potential landing spot for Baker Mayfield. So that helps the Buccaneers cause that. Jacoby Brissett, I don't think there's going to be much of a market for him. It's going to be a secondary market after all the, the quarterbacks. You and Jimmy Garoppolo signed with the, the, with the Raiders or was going to sign with Raiders. So these are the quarterbacks. Baker and, and Brissett, and we can kind of spend some time dissecting them real quick. My two cents on each one is Brissett is going to be that kind of mentor guy that can come in and shepherd Kyle Trask, and and maybe he wins the job early on. If Trask doesn't, and when Trask is ready, maybe later in the season, you kind of hand the baton. 
that's something that happened last year in Cleveland, obviously, with Deshaun Watson, who was suspended. So Brissett, conservative, not going to throw a lot of interceptions, not going to make some mistakes. Probably a guy that Todd Bowles might like at quarterback because he feels safe with Jacoby Brissett. And Brissett beat him. <laughs> yeah. And and that might say something, re- recency bias, right? Beat him with that fourth and goal a touchdown pass to put it in overtime. David Njoku catching the ball over Devin White. Uh, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, what are you getting? You're getting more of a mercurial personality. You're getting uh, attention. You're getting spotlight. You're probably getting an extra um, nationally televised game. This might be more of appeal to the Glaciers than it is to Todd Bowles. Um, they, they don't want to go back to irrelevancy at the quarterback position. The upside is certainly so much higher with Baker Mayfield if, capital I-F, if, this Dave Canales system works where it's quarterback friendly. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield becomes the next Geno Smith comeback player of the year in a pro bowler, but I think he probably has a better chance at that than Jacoby Brissett does in this offense, just because of the talent and the upside. He was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. So uh, is Baker Mayfield going to be the best kind of mentor to Kyle Trask be a study buddy and help learn the offense together. I don't know. I think he's kind of cocky and and competitive, and I think he might be a little bit more, you know, uh, one for all and all for me. But but uh, I don't know. That's that's my take. I I would be fine with either one of these quarterbacks because I understand their reasoning for each. Uh, Josh, let's start with you. What do you think about Baker and and Jacoby? I, I prefer Jacoby because I like a the potential outcomes to be a little bit more stable. Right. Just like you said, you know, with Brissett, the floor is probably higher, the ceilings lower and you know what you're getting. Um, However, with Baker, you do have absolutely have more upside. Um, And the good news with either one of these is the Canalis system bodes well for their skill sets and should maximize their talents wherever their field, their range of outcomes is. It's going to be on the higher end under this this system. both of them, ironically enough, played with uh, or under Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland right. and had two of their each of them had their best season under him. Yeah. His system's very uh, similar to Canales. So um, Baker in 2020, when he wasn't injured like 2021, um, he had an, a PFF grade of 81.6 that year, 31 big time throws, which is uh, 6.1% of yeah. his throws were big time throws, 7.3 yards per attempt, 26 touchdowns eight interceptions. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was the best quarterback Cleveland had last year, including their 200 and some odd million dollar man, right. Sean Watson. <laughs> so uh, between the two, I think either one, you're going to get the most out of them under yeah. a, a Canales system. Um, my preference is for Brissett just because you can expect a little bit. You can um, get what you're going to expect more often than not. Yeah. You know what I yeah. think when I hear of Jacoby Brissett? Boring. <laughs> Boring. He is bubble wrap. I understand you want to take care of the football, but he is boring. Bubble Matt, wrap have is you fun when you, when you pop it, though. That's, it's fun, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that part's fun. That part's fun when you have downtime where Brissett's going to be on the bench because they go three and out and not able to push the ball down the field. I understand securing the football, but Baker Mayfield brings pizzazz he's gonna push the ball down the field will there be some turnovers yeah but you know what i can live with that for the opportunity to make plays down the field let's remember baker mayfield he 
I don't think he was like the number one reason why the Browns made the playoffs, but he's been the starting quarterback of a playoff team that went into Pittsburgh and absolutely smoked the Steelers, got to the second round, and gave the Kansas City Chiefs a good run for their money. Now, granted, they had a lot of talent around them, but you know what? That's what Tampa Bay's going for. They got a talented defense. They just got Jamel Dean back. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White. We could talk about them until the cows come home. I think Baker at least gives you an opportunity to put points up on the board and not just be this bubble wrap type of team, be like, please, please, can we move the ball down the field a little bit? I don't want this boring type of offense. Like, that's not what Dave Canales came here for, all right? Dave right. Canales came here to change everything on the offense because the offense was a mess last year. So let Baker come in and let him dish the rock to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And to your last point about, oh, let Jacoby Brissett, uh, he'll start it, and then Kyle Trask can take over. Well, if Kyle Trask is taking over halfway through the season, that means the Bucs were losing early on. Because if they're winning yeah. with Jacoby Brissett, they would stay with him. Yeah. The reason would make quarter change outside of injury is because you're not getting the job done. So I yeah. don't want Jacoby Brissett in Tampa. I want someone that's going to push the ball down the field. I think Kyle Trask is somewhere in between Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> yeah. So you well, know what? The, the, Why not bring all of them to Tampa? Well, the, the, hold think? on. I'm going to say this. Tom Tom wants Bayfield over brisket. He wants Mayfield <laughs> over brisket. So uh, it, it it's an easy. Trust me, I've written about Jacoby Brissett enough. I've put a K in there too. I mean, I love brisket. I had brisket tonight for dinner. So oh, I, that's a common jealous. mistake. And I'm well, gonna let you get Baker, away with it. If Baker comes to Tampa, can he be Baker like B A Y K E R yeah. for yeah. Tampa? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So two things, Matt. I'll give I'll, I'll give you in terms of points for Baker. Number one, that Thursday night game when he went over to L A. That Electric. is one. That yeah. is one of the most amazing performances yeah. I've ever seen on a football field. When given yeah. the context of what he had to do in in what 48 hours, I'll give yeah. you that. It was absolutely phenomenal. The other, I will not hate a Baker signing simply for the Geico commercials. Yes. Yeah. Those are and, fantastic. Uh, and are. He's got a like. A, he's got a, a good personality. I, I woke yeah. up dangerous this morning. I mean, he'd be fun to cover, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yes. he would get under some people's skin, maybe. But hey, I, those I think he'd be fun. we like we like polarizing yeah. quarterbacks in Tampa. I mean, you want to talk about quarterbacks that got talked about, Jameis Winston and Tom Check Martin. your sheet, Matt. Check <laughs> yeah, your sheet. Yeah, check your chat sheet. Uh, your, yeah, your stat sheet. I got a lot of shit going on. I believe that's right. what Tom Brady said. So, that's right. yeah, Baker can just add to the pantheon of yep. just QB quotes and, uh, you know, entertainment. All right, Matt, Josh. aren't you going to be, like, hands full with uh, polarizing quarterbacks as a Jets fan next year? Well, I mean, my number one duty is to cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the good people <laughs> of uh, of Tampa and Peter Report fans everywhere. But I will be watching the New York Jets Super Bowl connecting New York Jets very close. All right, we, we have a, a question here, probably skewed towards Josh here. Uh, and I'll let you handle it, Josh. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Animal asks, someone please explain to me how they signed Jamel Dean to like $13 million per season when they are just $8 million under the cap. I don't get it. So there, there's a little bit of, of mental math gymnastics when it comes to, <laughs> to the salary cap and how it can be manipulated. It took me a minute to learn it. I think it took Josh a second to learn it. So um, I learned it a long time ago, and I forgot some of it. So I'm going to let Josh kind of 
uh, go to town on this one here. And super chats. Let's get this one in too. Okay. So the Bucks it's the have same about question. He, yeah. he had super chat. He, before, he just he's uh, just paying Josh for the answer now. We love it. Yeah. We love. I to get appreciate paid. that Thank animal. You. Thank you for the super chat. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really comes down to something called a, a signing bonus, which is where the the team will pay the player uh, within the first year of the contract a certain amount of money, but they it, it's like accounting what they do is they kind of depreciate that money over the life of the deal. So assuming it was a four year deal, $13 million, I pegged, they probably gave them about a $16 million signing bonus. So they take that 16 million, they give it to them up front, but then they take yeah. that 16 million, they divide it over the four years of the contract. So that 16 million gets prorated over each year. So 4 million in year one, 4 million in year two, so on and so forth. Then they can give him, I think I, I pegged it for like 3 million in year one in base salary. So for this year, they're only going to have to pay them around seven or account for about seven million dollars under this on the salary cap. Then the following year, they're going to pay them more. So it'll probably be somewhere around nine million in base salary plus the four million dollar signing bonus. So there's 13 million accounted in 2024. Yeah. The following two years, it'll be even more. Yeah. So that's how they do it. They progressively increase the salary. So the first couple years, the salary cap hit is smaller. And they prorate that signing bonus out over uh, the life of the contract. Right, and, and so, there's there's two things that kind of help too, right? Number one, the salary cap goes up each year, so every team gets a little bit of a bump. So you're kind yep. of accounting for that, right? <laughs> and then the second thing is, and we we've seen this now with a couple of these extensions, and you don't have to go into to great detail, but just touch on one or two of of, of these. When you have, well, let's say, Jamel Dean's playing at a Pro Bowl level, you know, two years from now, right? And let's say uh, he's on the books, including his base salary and the the proration of the of the cap. Let's say he's at about you know thirteen million or so, right, or or, or fourteen or fifteen, something like that. When, when you have that, that bigger number there, it allows you to go in and and extend that contract and then drop that big number when you need it to, right? We saw that happen a couple of of times here over the last uh, over this past weekend to get the Bucks cap compliant, right, Josh? Right. Yeah. You, you would basically take the money that's owed in that year and you're going to stretch it over the new years of the extension. So it lowers again. It basically creates a new deal where your first couple years are smaller cap hits and pushes more of that money into the future. So it, it's an accounting trick that allows teams and it's not just the bucks. Every team does this. It allows them to be able to afford a player now and then spread out how much they have to pay them or spread out the larger payments into the future under those larger salary caps that they get to work with. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. That's a lot of, a lot of numbers to kind of roll through there. And, um, you know, I, I was not good in math or even plant city math, as, as Matt likes to say. Um, <laughs> the numbers that I like, though, uh, especially when it comes to March Madness, are the numbers I get at my bookie, right? Um, that's the kind of numbers. I want to bet on some college basketball. Boy, this is the place to do it. Why? Because it's March Madness at my bookie, and it's officially begun. We've got the, the brackets out. The games start later this week. My Kansas State Wildcats play on Friday at 940 against Montana State. Looking forward to that. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big with the nonstop action at my bookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on the eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, my bookie has got you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is super simple. Folks, I've been using MyBookie for, gosh, this is probably year five now, and it's the best spot to go. Their app is fantastic. Their website is easy to navigate. I've never had any issues. Visit MyBookie on the web. Make your first deposit. Use the promo code PEWTER 
to claim that exclusive deposit bonus. That's promo code Pewter to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit with hundreds of thousands in prizes for March Madness and their weekly blackjack tournaments. You can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Gentlemen, it is still my bookie season, even though football season's over. I mean, they've got all sorts of things you could bet on. Those UFC fights, uh, college basketball with March Madness, NBA, NHL. For the big sports fans, not only do you have March Madness coming up, but there's a UFC fight on Saturday, and it's somewhere international. So the fights start at, like, noon on Saturday. So you wow. can just watch college basketball and <laughs> UFC fights, gamble on all that. You can bet on golf, uh, basketball, hockey, uh, a ton of different sports. So go to mybookie.ag. No, do a uh, do a futures bet. Bucks to reach the Super Bowl, Jets to reach the Super Bowl, and we all win. Uh, Matthew with the five dollars <laughs> super chat. Speaking of gambling, says I'll give you the five five to one odds that Gage Evans and Godwin are not healthy all year. Even two of the three don't sign Baker, Heineke, cheaper, and good number two. Um, I don't totally get that second part because uh, that's kind of like the only options that they really have. Um, but yeah, injury histories obviously have been a yes. real thorn in the side of Bucks wide receivers uh, over yeah. the past couple seasons. Godwin, I totally understand. I mean, he's he's missed time in each of the last three seasons, I think. Mike Evans will have a hamstring injury in training camp. Yeah, but he'll typically yeah, through yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, yeah, he's fine. It's just like it's the it's the yearly Mike Evans. Right, and, and he'll have two or three games camp. where he'll take a hit, and it looks like oh my gosh, he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Two drives later, he's back on the field. I think the Russell Gage one is the one that we really need to dispel some some uh, myths about. Russell Gage got hurt at the beginning of this year and had to battle through that hamstring injury all year. Yeah, But for his career, that's the only injury he's really yeah. had of any significance. He played in every single game, I think it was, after becoming a starter for Atlanta. Yeah. He is not an injury-prone player at right. this point. Well, and he you know what? It, it's it's interesting because th that's what kind of irked the Bucks. This was the first time he's been injured. Right. And behind the scenes, they were not thrilled with how he handled that injury. They felt like he could have gotten healthier a lot sooner than than he did. And, and so I think there's been some forgiveness, right? But there was a point in the season where that was really an issue with this team was they didn't like how he was handling the, the recovery. Because, Matt, he, he originally injured that hamstring the first it's day right, of yeah. the joint practices with the Dolphins. Yep. And, and the thing is, prior to that, the first week of training camp, he was the best receiver on the field. He I was. mean, he was getting open. He was getting the most targets because he was open. Uh, he, he looked like a phenomenal signing. You're like, wow, this guy's number three. And they signed Julio Jones as well. Holy smokes. Well, it just didn't turn out to be the season that he envisioned because that quickness, which is his calling card, was robbed with that, that hamstring injury. He tried to battle through it, right? He had to play in that Packers game because Mike Evans was suspended. He was the only guy. Yep. He was yeah. the only guy, yeah. Chris Godwin was injured right. as well. Yeah, I'm ready to turn the page with Russell Gage just in terms of I don't want to keep harping on the struggles that he had last year. Yeah, It was a bad year. Different times for him, obviously, coming to a new team, finding his role. I don't think he's totally found it yet, but that's what training camp will be for this year. Just let's get a fully healthy Russell Gage, and yeah. then let's go back to the drawing board of was this worth it? Was this a good free agent signing? Because 
I understand you want results right away. That's not always the case with every single person. That's Let's right. just not shut the door just yet on Russell Gates. I'm with you, Josh. Let's give yep. this guy a chance. And, and what's interesting is, is like Scott and I have gone back and forth on Russell Gage. I think internally in the Bucks front office, there are those conversations too, because I've heard privately that there are some in the, the front office who think he's going to have a big year this year. Yeah. And I know that not everyone in the front office necessarily thinks that. So it's very interesting. And, and we've got that with the fans too. So it's yeah. all throughout Bucks fandom and, and Bucks world where he's a very polarizing figure at this point. Yeah. And, and at the same time, though, given the the free agent class, which is down at the position, given the, the position uh, overall in the draft, um, there, there's there's not very many elite wide receivers in this draft at all, maybe a couple. And, and again, we've already talked about it. It's not worth picking a wide receiver in the first round to come yeah. in and be, even if you beat out Russell Gage, you're the number three wide receiver. That's that's not good value for your first round pick, especially this team is going to have a lot of of needs. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I think that that the quarterback position is going to have to to settle. That domino is going to fall for the Buccaneers in the next 24 to 48 hours. I think a lot of fans and I think the team and the coaches they love to know who is going to be competing with Kyle Trask. You agree, gentlemen? Yeah, I, I do. And uh, just to talk real quick about Baker again, and uh, you could throw Brissett in there as well. It, obviously, the Bucs have to convince them to come to Tampa, but you look around the rest of the league and it's like, why not go to Tampa? I mean, yeah. in terms of if you want to be a starting quarterback outside of like Tennessee and they're getting rid of everybody left and right. Outside of Tennessee, there's not too many other options where you have an opportunity to come in and compete to be a starter. Tampa right. Bay sounds like a great destination. All the offensive weapons, sure, they struggled last year as a team, but, I mean, Tampa's a great landing spot for someone at the point of their careers for both Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. You can't ask for a better situation. I mean, you could, but it's a yeah. pretty nice situation. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think the quarterback question and Levante David are the two big ones hanging on every Bucks fan's mind. Yeah, yeah, th those those are the big ones. So um, it'll be interesting to see which one they solve first, or mm -hmm. or the domino, how the domino falls. Um, but I think those are the two that most Bucks fans are are going to be looking for. And the rest will just kind of be in the in the ether. Yep. Uh, so far, uh, Jamel Dean, only free agent signing by the Buccaneers. They've only had one departure. That was Raheem Nunez Rochez, the defensive tackle, to the Giants. Um, we'll see if if uh, you know if Levante David it can still play at a, at a really high level at age 33. Uh, I'm I'm going to just hazard a guess that maybe just maybe Levante has gone to age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because. I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Age rejuvenation. There's John Gilmore. Gosh, he could probably sign somewhere as a free agent. He looks great at age 43. Feels like he's 33. Why? Because he is an age rejuvenation customer. I, myself, Scott Reynolds, am 50. I'll be 51 next month. Holy smokes, time flies. But I don't feel like I'm 51. Uh, thanks to age rejuvenation. Had my testosterone levels checked uh, at age rejuvenation. 
found out that I was low in testosterone, low testosterone. That was, that's normal for guys in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, for sure. The leader in, in life you get, the more the testosterone level has a tendency to drop. The, the testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation is something that might interest you. Well, $500 off your first treatment. How about that for an offer? Mention Pewter Report. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Click on the website and sign up for your free no-risk, no-obligation consultation with five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Age Rejuvenation. They'll help you feel younger and give you that vitality that you're looking for. By the way, if you're uh, watching this show right now or maybe you're new to it, uh, this is the Pewter Report Podcast where you can find the best Bucks coverage around and uh, if you like the show if you like our youtube channel our website everything else in between please do us a favor and follow us on our social media at peter report on twitter facebook and instagram and please like and subscribe our youtube channel at peter report tv we had a lot of great combine coverage we obviously continue that coverage all year round we'll have some great clips about free agency coming up who the bucks have signed who they're still targeting what's going to go on at quarterback so a lot of great information to consume both on our website and on our youtube channel and some even better news we just had the greatest show of all time, but we're going to try to top it again tomorrow at 7 p.m. We're going prime time all week this week because of the breaking news at really any given moment with this yeah. free agency frenzy. So uh, that's going to do it for and, us and Matt, tonight. We, we've got the free agent tracker up on pewterreport.com. Yes, we we're going to be constantly updating that. So find out where your Buccaneers are going. Hopefully they're coming back here if you want them back. And, and also other signings around the league. So that free agency tracker will be updated uh, all the time and brought back up to the front page on pewterreport.com. I've got a story on the Bucks' offensive line, what it could look like without Shaq Mason uh, if the Buccaneers do in, indeed plan on trading him or cutting him. I think that's what they're going to do later this week. If they can't trade him, they'll end up releasing him for that cap savings and start over at the right guard position. So a lot of great content on Pewter Report, uh, Matt. So let's do it again tomorrow night, shall we, at 7 o'clock? Absolutely. So for Scott Reynolds, for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. 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 Out.